0: A vast and welcome back wow. to Ship of Fools. Although we are neither on the open sea nor in the mud bath. We're just I don't know, sorta of in a disembodied space. We're in the lighthouse? In the lighthouse? Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah.
2: That's a nice place to be. We all had a fine time there once we killed someone. Yeah.
0: The Keeper is upstairs doing something. She's not involved in this. (laughs) Keeping. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And she does not know we're here. If she did, she'd be pissed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is our campaign wrap-up Q&A. Thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions. Um, We are going to answer them uh and just kind of hopefully clear up any of your lingering doubts about the campaign or the things that have been driving you crazy for weeks i don't I do not know i have doubts i don't know what you're experiencing um so, yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. Um,
3: she said the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start with some of the kind of questions about, like, the epilogue and the plot and just kind of, like, generally the 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 stuff that you just listened to, the wrap up of the campaign. Let's start with some of those questions. Um, so first, from Died Violet, we have... Was the finale barbecue meant to be a sort of parallel to the lizard meat in episode one?
3: Great question.
0: Great question. (laughs) It was meant to be a parallel to the barbecue at the Bluefin Tropical Resort, which I think was in episode two, which was like once you guys cleared out the ooze, that's what the Bluefin Tropical Resort was having like a beach barbecue. Um
3: So I'd say maybe less so a direct parallel and more just a commentary on, you know, the world ends at a kitchen table and we were all born to share meat.
2: I think it's a cyclical thing where we all love each other, so we share food and party together.
1: I think it's about how barbecue is good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's about all those things.
0: And that we're good at it.
3: We all just said the same thing three times.
0: Uh, Second question, also from Died Violet. Does Perrin... And they've included a note. I hope I spelled the kid's name correctly. You were very close. You wrote P E R I N, and it's P E R R I N. Um, does Perrin get into pro wrestling once Reagan invents it? Reagan, the, I mean, this depends on do you allow magic usage in your pro wrestling circuit?
3: Do I allow magic in my pro wrestling? You know, this is what I'll say. I'll say, this is a meaningless hard stance I'll take, which is um. Yes, magic, but only cantrips.
2: Mm. I was gonna say, like, I feel like magic would be allowed, but only for show and not for anything to actually like, take someone down with, you know?
3: Yeah, like I think you're you're probably not allowed to do damage with spells, but you would be allowed to use press digitation, you know, booming blade to make a.
2: You can make your takedown look really sick,
3: <laughs> right? Like make it make it sound extra, you know, like, effects and stuff, and maybe, like, an homage to the fact that I think the very first spell I cast in this campaign was Shocking Grasp. I think that's maybe, like, my finisher, like, maybe involves that or something. Wow. So to answer that question, Hannah, I would I would say yes, but exclusively at a cantrip and, and for a, a... As a garnish, not the main sure, meal. Sure,
2: for sure. It's in their contract that
0: they have to go...
3: Yep. <laughs> and they have to use prestidigitation to make it look like their skeleton is flashing through their yeah. body. <laughs> it's in my rider. Uh, but no, to, to your, your point, Bestie Died Violet, Um, I, the only way I can imagine that kid being involved is in, like, a Syndrome to Mr. Incredible kind of way.
2: Yeah, I- I mean, what I was going to say is that he, when everyone's wrestling, no one will be.
3: When everything's kayfabe, nothing Yeah, ends. if you
0: can't shoot lightning bolts, he's not interested in competing um, because that's, he sort of, I think, continues to be the archetype of like scrawny little person who then shoots fabulous amounts of lightning out of his hands, um, but is not really.
3: I-, I don't think he's, I don't think he's got the muscle.
0: No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, question three, also from Died Violet. How do you spell the name of Malachi's childhood hometown? Suggestions include Raisin, Risen, or Risen. Um, yeah. Close. Yeah. R-E-I-S-E-N.
2: Whoa. Is that how I wrote it down?
0: Uh, fourth question from Died Violet. Does Vance die his final death before or after Malachi and Reagan?
1: Oh, that's definitely after. Well... <laughs> <laughs> If we assume that Vance continues to be a willing soul for resurrection, Uh Finn just keeps going with it. He's like Duncan (laughs) Idaho. It's just like there's history is littered with the corpses of Vance's.
2: He doesn't lose the taste for it after his dearest friends are gone.
1: I I think after his dearest friends are gone, he's even more attached to the the Vance's. (laughs)
2: So rather than being like, oh, man, you know, like, I miss those guys so much. I'm just going to live my life for me. He's going to be like, fuck, man, I got to kill something.
1: Whoa, no, 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 no. He doesn't bring back Vance to kill him. He brings Vance back to hang out. To
2: hang out and then die. They just
1: hang out in incredibly dangerous scenarios. He
2: does, in a sense, bring him back to die.
1: Well, in a sense, we're all born to die.
2: Isn't that a Lana song?
1: it's a line in Shakespeare
2: but we're not all born to die multiple times in a row maybe you're not
1: speak for yourself (laughs) in fact I would assert I would confidently assert that as of that final scene in the finale where Finn jumps into the water there is a Vance out there in the world that Finn (laughs) has lost track of
0: so he really did win he was right to
2: keep coming back (laughs) what if like your last creature that you're gonna be has a very short lifespan and you resurrect Vance right before then and Vance outlives you
0: That's kind of beautiful.
1: (laughs) I mean, Finn is not going to die as soon as the fish lifespan runs out. He's still got some years in him. No,
2: I thought you were planning on dying in your final form.
1: It was deliberately ambiguous.
0: All right. Final question that we shan't be leaving ambiguous, apparently. Uh, Does Malachi die a virgin? (laughs) I will tell you,
2: I think this is nobody's business but Malachi's. But he dies a very fulfilled man. Wow. (laughs) And you can take that as you will.
1: Very satisfied, you might say.
3: Consummated.
2: Just a man who's full of satisfaction. (laughs) Um, But it should be noted that Malachi would not give his maiden head up for just anyone. (laughs) Do not say it like that?
0: (laughs) Great. Okay. Um, Next question comes to us from Pink Kitty Chloe on Twitter, who says, I was thinking about it during the finale. Did Finn's mom ever visit Gillsbury to meet his mom and dad? great question oh Um,
1: i think yeah yeah probably
0: i agree she would come if she was invited she's adriana is a little not great with normal human society now (laughs) but Finn's the fishers are very welcoming
1: they're used to that particular brand (laughs) of freaky
0: yeah (laughs) yeah they can have a great conversation about lurker stuff um fish you know just gillsbury things <laughs> etc um and then one more kind of plot question um from softy on tumblr would the adventurer have let ben die if it benefited her great question <laughs> wonderful question happy to answer um yes uh, which means, like, Damn straight. by the end, absolutely, like, the if you guys had been like, oh, we have Ben, he's a snail, she would not have given a shit. Um, like, by okay. that point, she was like, I've got what I need. And Ben kind of knew that and was, like, mm. sort of okay with it because he was keeping himself alive and was sort of like as long as she like as long as i'm right and she actually becomes a god then it doesn't matter what got him to sort of you know turn a little bit at the very end there was a lack of belief that she actually could win against you guys earlier in the campaign the adventurer was more invested in keeping ben alive but that was because she needed him because she didn't have the like social clout yet Uh, So, no, she did not, like, actually care about him as a person and would have gladly let him die if it was beneficial to her. (laughs) The part of her that, like, was everybody's, like, mentor and, like, had taught these people how to be adventurers, like, Ben was, had been part of AAA for years. And so, like, the quote-unquote more human part of her or was invested in him as an adventurer and part of her team She just also was willing to use the members of her team as chess pieces as necessary that could be discarded as necessary. Yeah, and also the more cubes and more power she got, the less she gave a shit about anyone else. Mm. Yeah, so those are our our sort of like plot focused questions. Now we're going to do some kind of like campaign overview, looking at the whole campaign, start to finish, episode one to episode 78. Um, This is something that I asked about in Mudbath 78, and you guys all said that you needed more time to think about it, but I still want to know what was your favorite episode to play, and if you have an answer to, like, what episode do you think is, like, the best, like, you're most proud of, like, the final product, or again, some of the ones that you think are the best.
2: Mm. Uh, well, I will say, despite the months that it's been since you asked that, I did not manage to re-listen to all of our episodes, but. A few do stand out in my memory, starting with the first one that I think I remember feeling really like, I mean, I was excited from the get go, but this one I remember feeling so, so pumped about for like days and just like when we were in it feeling so, so, so good and excited was the Treehouse episode, Mm. the rave battle with Lizzie. Mm -hmm. That was so fun to play and it was so like easy to picture for me. And I just remember feeling like, yeah, this is D&D when we were doing that.
0: Yeah, good one.
1: I think in terms of, like, times I had the most fun, like, in pure just, like, fun of the game, I really like the dungeon crawl segments, mm-hmm. like, doing the Kua stuff and yeah. investigating their warren and doing the ascent. Those were Like, fun. the episodes where it's, like, the three of us just, like, facing a series of challenges. <laughs> yeah. They're sort of simpler episodes than a lot of the other ones, but they're very just fun to be in and do.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I definitely second the Treehouse Rave battle. That was kind of... I agree, like the first, oh shit, like I get why you guys like D&D podcasts. Um, and I would also say kind of like some of our, our heistier ones, yeah. like specifically mm-hmm. the drill infiltration. Where we had
2: to make a lot of plans. Uh,
3: infiltrating the drill was really sick. Um, Rettvall's like, tower. Rettvall's lab was sick. Um, stuff like that. I, I yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Retwals Tower was the Tower Reverse, sorry, was also on my list because I remember having a lot of fun with like, not only was that like a really fun series of like challenges to work through, <laughs> but we had so many big reveals there. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did. There we- was some really fun, dramatic stuff going on. We had a couple of those fun, like, mini dungeons, I guess, that took like two or three episodes to go through that I, I also had a lot of fun kind of like coming up with those and taking you through them. But definitely like the ones that are the most fun for me was like any big reveal, like yeah. the tower reversed, all of the like Ben and the adventurer, the K'thoth yeah. betrayal, uh. Nira's introduction. The coral yeah. caves or the portal, portal party. Portal party mm-hmm. one was another one
2: mm-hmm. on my list because that was one of the most fun. Fun fights we had, I think. That was yeah. the one with the
3: anglerfish
1: and the That was the worst episode to play because it was the first time <laughs> Nurgle died.
3: <laughs> Personally, as far as like our best, I argue that I think actually one of our like best overall would be uh fifty four and fifty five and the whole keeper reveal, I felt like that was like such like a climax in the arc and like that was like a really satisfying point to get to. And then to like
2: especially with like the lead up of all of like the dreamer realm, which was so cool to like explore.
3: Yeah. And then the fact that like that was wrapping, you know, Plot threads back from very early campaign into it I don't know, I think that one was a masterstroke on Hannah's part that, I know that's two, but you know what I mean
2: uh, Yeah, so I think the Keeper ones And also, maybe a little bit selfishly I thought the one called Trust was really, really fun for me personally 38?
0: 38, 38. The one where Nira betrays you and you guys get captured? <laughs> yeah Yeah, I think
2: 38 was just For me it was exciting because we got to work through a lot of like my character stuff um but then we also got to pivot from like the smaller character moments into like this huge turning point for our campaign which was you know getting captured by Redfall
0: yeah 31, which is the looking glass one, and 38 are like two of my favorites, and they both have these like parallels of like some really good like role play and setup in the first half of the episode that like becomes even better when you listen back to it knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. And then like this like crazy like turning point reveal at the end of the episode that was like. Really, that whole arc was really pivotal for the campaign. Yeah,
2: 31 when we found out Retfall was Nell's dad.
0: Oh my god. Yep. And that was preceded by the sending from Father Saviche about Gillsbury getting attacked and Baleen getting captured. So it was these yeah. two like, oh fuck, like, our
2: our NPCs are in danger. Oh my god, that's also when Reagan found out his dad
0: is maybe alive. Yep, that was also in that one.
1: I think the single- funnest moment for me was when i summoned jonesy in the shrimps that <laughs> yeah, but i've that already talked ad nauseum in the mud bath about how much i love that i think in terms of best like if i had to pick an episode to like submit for an emmy like if i had to pick <laughs> one episode to be like for your consideration for the yeah. podcast mm. awards i think i would pick the final fight with Vall. Yeah, because I think that was just a good like that had a lot of good character stuff. It was you know mainly a combat, but that's what a lot of D and D is.
0: And it was a cool combat. It was like a good one.
1: I think that had that had everything.
2: Yeah, that was another one on my list of like four or five that I could think of was the Retval fight because it was providing some closure to this huge part of Reagan's story. So we got a lot of like the character stuff, but we also got like a really hard and like complex combat and the fact that we got to end on that cliffhanger of Reagan's death was also just a huge like party moment as well and I think that was really fun to work through both like mechanically and like beating the guy
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and also surviving uh the plummeting through the atmosphere that was a
3: good ass episode
0: and it was a cool edit like with the sound and the music after the Mm -hmm. edit it was like really the battle episodes is where the editing really like takes it from like we we're doing the epic part in our imagination and then you hear it with the editing and you're like oh shit it really is that cool
3: (laughs) everybody say thank you Andy for making us sound cool
2: thank
0: you Andy thank
3: you Andy for making us sound cool you're welcome
0: Okay, so on the flip side, um, Maddie Cav on Patreon wants to know, are there still episodes or moments you wish you could go back to and do entirely differently? And similarly, 9SY on Tumblr says, looking back, was there any situation you wish would have played out differently or wanted to explore more? Yes. Yeah, I will say for me, my answer is both like, yes, absolutely. And also no, at the same time. Yeah, like I'm...
2: I like the way things ultimately shook out, but...
0: Right. I like the way things ultimately shook out, and also I believe in, like, there are so many things where it's like, yeah, this maybe would have been cool to be different, but then it would have changed so much of what came Mm -hmm. later that I can't, like, say that because it's like, well, butterfly effect, and I like the things that came later, and so it's, like, it's tricky.
2: Like, in A Perfect World, there are definitely scenes that I remember afterwards feeling like, damn, I wish that, like... I remembered that I wanted to say this or like, oh, I wish that I would, had been able to like put this to words in a way that was more suited to what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Improv is
0: hard. <laughs> it's really difficult.
3: Yeah, it's it's very easy to improv when it's funny and it's very hard to mm-hmm. improv. Yeah. Serious or deep or meaningful. Because like, I'll I'll say it, I felt very self-conscious often and oh, yeah. still do about like, you know, the fact that I, I I you know, I made a really stupidly fucked up little guy in a comedy podcast and then was like, Oh, my agonies and you know, there's no way to not feel stupid to say that, you know, so
2: But I feel like we all did a good job of trying to like coax things out of each other that we know that we wanted to sort of like do in in a scene or something like that. And yeah. The comedy improv was definitely easier, even when I'm not naturally very funny, because all I had to do was just not talk and then make it a character choice.
1: (laughs) I think my only real concrete regret that I wish I got independently is there's some music I never got to use, because in the process of, like, finding music for episodes, I would often, like, listen to a bunch of different tracks and be like, oh, this is the right one for this moment. Ooh, but this one will be good for, like, some other time. But then I wound up not getting to use all of the ones I had saved. Sad.
2: Andy sent me some ones that he had like, he's like, I associated these with Malachi and I never got to use them and they were fucking
3: awesome. <laughs> Release the Latai cut.
0: The Latai cut, which is just like half an hour of instrumental tracks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, some of us are into that.
1: That I didn't, write. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
3: into Nine Size particular question, like any situation mm. specifically you wish would have played out differently or wanted mm-hmm. to explore more. I will say... And at some point, Hannah and I did talk about this behind the scenes. Um, There was a possibility of Heartmark actually having survived and me having not known. But when Hannah gave me the gift of my dad having been alive this whole time, we were like, well, I can't just have everybody from my tragic backstory (laughs) turn out to have been alive this whole time. Oh, hey, mom. Oh,
1: my God. Reagan, your dog really was just at a farm upstate. Here he is. (laughs) Wow.
3: (laughs) um so that's i'd say that's one thing that like in a podcast slightly to the left of this one me and my ex would have had you know a whole thing well i guess he's not really my ex he's just dead i think that qualifies like that that all would have like been more of a thing but there simply wasn't time and there simply wasn't the genre and so that just kind of got left to the side. But if anybody's still wondering, it is spelled H-A-R-T-M-A-R-K. I know that's come uh-huh. up a few times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a quote. Cool- this was something we talked about on the mud bath, but not um, on the main feed, was that I toyed with the idea of Heartmark, like, having made some sort of deal to get resurrected by some evil sea Ooh. entity or possibly the Lurker. So he would have been, like, a zombie but still technically alive and out and around, and that could have been something to explore. But yeah, like I, like Nani said, we sort of talked about it. Where it's like, eh, there's a I, and I decided that there was already enough going on. But that is like a plot thread that never got pulled on, that would have been kind Mm. of fun. I also, like, a little bit wish there would have been time at some point to, like, deal with, like, the royal family and, like, some Mm. more, like, political intrigue type of stuff, which I, like, laid groundwork for in the first half of the campaign and then simply never put in the second half of the campaign. It's, again, like, we got busy. (laughs) Right, I don't necessarily regret it because there was a lot of other stuff going on and it didn't really fit with how the characters operated. But... It would have been fun (laughs) like it's fun to think about (laughs) yeah i think there are just like a lot of things
2: that i wish we like had more time to explore but i'm still like satisfied with what we were able to explore in the time that we had Yeah, yeah i agree
1: yeah
0: okay next question um also from maddie cav on patreon um what were the biggest divergence points either for the players or the characters which I assume means kind of like the like turning points, like the real, like for me, I would say the plot, plot wise, the big turning points were like we said before, kind of around the the arc around the 30s, 31 and 38 and like everything around encountering Lithios for the first time and really, like, Gillsbury getting attacked, baleen getting arrested, yeah. Nell and Alden getting captured, you guys getting captured, foiling an execution, and then eventually leading up to the adventurer turning line, on Arthur. you guys. <laughs> yeah, you did. Like, that whole arc sort of set, recontextualized everything that came before and set the tone for everything that was going yeah. to come after. Mm. Yeah.
1: I think I have a good answer for this. Ooh. Like, well, I guess... In the show, like, obviously, big turning points for Finn. The biggest is probably meeting the lurker and yeah. finding out that, you know, he's not actually obligated to have a deep <laughs> animosity for all surface life. Yeah. But, like, for me as a player, externally, like, meta-wise, I think a big divergence point for Finn was there was an episode, I don't remember when, somewhere in the 20s, probably. It was one of the moments where we're on a beach and Reagan is being sad about how he killed a bunch of people. Mm. And Finn said something to the effect of like, oh, well, it's not that bad that you killed them because everyone's going to die anyway when the lurker <laughs> swallows the <lion."> land."
2: <laughs> I remember that, yeah.
1: And that was the, I think this is the only time I can think of I did this. I actually did go back afterwards and change that line to be less sinister. <laughs> just to be something where I was like, oh, like, it doesn't matter because someday everything will be underwater. Mm. A bit more vague, because that was the moment where I sort of was forced into the decision, like, (laughs) has Finn considered the mass death that would come from the sea swallowing the land, or has he just not? And I decided that both the funnier option and the option that made him more endearing and easier to root for was (laughs) that he just hadn't thought about it. He hadn't actually connected the dots that, like, so many people would die horribly. Well,
2: then and later when he does connect those dots, that was another big point for Finn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. And then when it actually happened in the story, that allowed for that moment to happen and be a big deal for him. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Good answer. I don't know whether to classify this as a moment for the character or for me as the player, Um, because all of my theories surrounding this turning point for me ended up not really coming to full fruition. Mm. But... The the Treehouse app and learning about the Dreamer for the first time and, you know, the dreams that she sent us and all of that was a huge, huge deal for me. Yeah. Because I remember, like, afterwards just going insane, being like, oh, my God, like, is the Dreamer Malachi's god? And I, th- I think I talked about this in the- some of those mud baths, but it threw into doubt, like, everything that he had sort of been, like, basing his life on and how I was playing him. And I'm like, I, I honestly don't know if he were to find out that she was the one providing his magic, like, how he would be able to, like, move forward. Because I didn't think he had, like, the strength of purpose yet to be like, oh, I'm not evil just because I got this magic from an evil lady.
0: Yeah, that's another avenue that would have been fun to explore is because I did I did not intend that when I created the Dreamer in that arc, but as soon as Taylor started thinking that I did, I went oh shit, that would be kind of fun like (laughs) carpet bombing Hannah with text about that and it would have been, like I didn't end up, but it would have been kind of fun to to see what would have happened if I'd have pushed on that button.
3: Yeah, I think similarly, I think I don't remember when this was. I think this was around the ascent. I guess it would have had to have been or whenever whenever it was that I had Reagan be like it wasn't my fault like and and stop dragging that plot point around uh mm-hmm. and you know just being able to be like all right anyways now let's actually <laughs> have fun with the character.
0: Yeah. That was
3: probably a big one.
0: Yeah. It was, like, around the ascent, and then also, this is another episode that I remember really loving, but, like, when we first got to Angel Isle, and you guys had, like, one episode of just, like, exploring Angel Isle, and Reagan had that really nice moment with, like, Hartmark's stuff mm. um, that he, like, left behind, the, like, hidden cache. I remember thinking, like, oh, this is a good moment for Reagan. Yeah.
3: That was a really good ending of a chapter, yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um... Katie on Patreon wants to know, what was the plot creation process like? Which I assume is kind of a question for me. Um, (laughs) gradual. At first, like, the whole first half of the campaign, I was planning, like, one arc ahead. Like, I have, I have 15 documents that are each an arc. And, like, in the beginning of the campaign, I was planning one at a time. Like, I didn't have anything planned except for the Bluefin Tropical Resort when we started. And then somewhere around, like, around Angel Isle was when I sat down and was like, okay, what's the rest of the campaign going to look like? And sort of very loosely planned out the next six arcs and then filled in the details. Which is, like, generally, I would say, if if you're DMing a campaign where you're making up the plot do not feel like you need to know the ending when you start unless you're running like a very particular sort of like limited game but in general just plan for the next episode or the next like five or six episodes and call them sessions not episodes (laughs) 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 uh yeah um oh this is a little bit we were talking about something a little bit like this before but cadiology on tumblr wants to know if you could record another five episodes where would you put them Either expanding on existing arcs or fitting in something else. Ooh. I have two answers for this, and they're both, like, near the end of the campaign, which is, I talked about this in Mudbath 78, but we never went to the Emerald Eye, and I intended us to, and ended up just deciding Mm. that marquan was more important and that i wanted to to spend time on marquan rather than on the emerald eye but if i had five more episodes emerald eye time we could head out there (laughs) emerald eye time
1: on a similar note which this could also be the emerald eye i think in terms of the world there's just sort of infinite potential for stuff to happen in the aberrant sea Mm -hmm. like we could have done a dozen more episodes of us just sailing around and encountering strange things yeah Mm.
0: You never, like, you never actually fought, you encountered an abolith, but you never actually fought the abolith, And you never fought a Morkoth, which is, like, the other big undersea beast and it, that exists in Dungeons & Dragons. Both of those would have been fun to do. Um, and I also would have just liked to have, like, five more episodes. Now, with hindsight, it would have been nice to have five more episodes just in the last arc in Luola. Just to have a little more breathing room, maybe give the adventurer a more complicated scheme that you had to take yeah. down, or like some reason mm. to have to like sneak behind Lithios' lines. Although I guess we kinda did that with the drill, so maybe that's not as important. But like there was some ah, the drill. with hindsight, I think that could have used a little more breathing room. So five more episodes in there might have been nice. But also, I don't know, maybe then it would have felt like it was dragging. So who knows? Maybe it's perfect. <laughs> five more
2: episodes where we just see every animal that Finn turns into for the rest of his <laughs> life. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the fin cut.
0: And he's just listing creatures
2: <laughs> five times in a row.
0: Um, 9SY on Tumblr wants to know, were there ever any moments where you feel like you beefed it, like fucked up real bad that ended up fine, but weigh on your conscience and haunt you to this day, totally not asking from experience? Almost certainly, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, no, I nailed it.
0: Yeah, also <laughs> no, because the, the few times I did feel like that, they were always combats and they always sounded so much better after the edit. It was like there were a few combats where I was like, boy, that did not go the way I wanted it to. But then Andy would send me the finished version to review, and I'd be like, oh, A, this was not nearly as bad as I thought it was. And B, Andy fixed all the problems. So, <laughs> <laughs> yay, Andy. Yeah. Everybody say thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you, Andy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, there is a very specific thing in which I beefed it and fucked up completely, and it turned out fine, but it weighs on me every day. I thought everybody else was going to do character voices, um, <laughs> and I. Nobody else. Did a character voice. I did
1: a character voice. I just didn't do an accent.
2: Hey, I also did a character voice. It's not my fault. I couldn't actually lower my voice a full
3: like octave.
1: <laughs> Accents aren't the only thing about voices.
3: Well, you're the only one who did an accent. Yeah. I was the only person <laughs> who did a noticeably divergent <laughs> dialect, etc. It was a
1: divergence <laughs> point for you as a player.
3: And I regret that every single day. Andy still makes fun of me for it. Uh, I wish I hadn't done it. I don't believe you.
1: I wish you had to. I think it's good that you did it.
3: Yeah, I agree. I find it intolerable and difficult to listen to. So more wow. power to the rest of you. Wow, really? Reagan is the character voice that you find intolerable and difficult to listen to. Young yep, trio. Trio is perfect and a delight.
0: <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, And last question in this category, Um, Runcible Shaw on Tumblr has two questions. He says, hi, first time, long time. I have two questions. (laughs) One, can you tell me more about how the cool wizard Wizzo was really the one to save the day in the end? And two, how much of an idea did each of you have for what the podcast was going to be when you started? And how did it change as you went? Um, I'll address your first question first. Yeah. Can I tell you more about how the cool wizard Wizzo was really the one to save the day in the end? No, I cannot. That would be a lie. I respect you too much as our patron and friend to lie to you I can. about the canon of the show and no one else has the power to because it's my world. <laughs> um, to address the second half of your question, how much of an idea did each of you have for what the podcast was going to be when you started and how did it change as you went? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it changed that much, but I also like didn't have that solid of an idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I obviously didn't really have any idea what the plot was going to be like what was going to happen but in general tone and like what it is as a medium it's about about what i was thinking
3: yeah Yeah. i'd say i i really had no idea because as has been mentioned before i don't consume this type of media so i really had no idea what to expect Mm. i'd say the biggest thing that changed is uh that like not to be not to be overly literal but like covid happened in the middle of this <laughs> and all of our lives were really upended yeah. and we came out of this like several years and yet several lifetimes older and more changed our lives
2: all did change like more than they would normally change in a couple of years over the course of this podcast
0: even this isn't related to covid but because we recorded like the first couple episodes before i moved to omaha all of us Mm -hmm. have moved at least once while recording this podcast some of us multiple times
3: yeah yeah (laughs) you know at one point this was Like, when we were starting out, it was like, oh, cool, like, we'll see how this fits into our lives. And then it was the only thing in our lives for a while. It was kind
2: of a lifeline for me, at least, the first year or two of COVID, yeah. It was nice to have something like that to, like, know that that's going to keep happening for a while or, like, have that to look forward to.
3: And then, you know, our lives caught up to us and it, you know, it couldn't be our our whole thing anymore, which is, like, sad, but just the way that it works like we were all working yeah so i'd say this this definitely i think the biggest thing that has changed for me is like the ecological niche that this podcast and its community has filled in my life as i have gone from being what i had just turned 22 when we started and now i'm 26 that's hmm. yeah i'm still 25 i pay for health insurance now <laughs>
1: One thing that I was not exactly right about was I did underestimate how much work it is to be the sole editor yeah. and producer mm. of a podcast with long episodes and multiple people.
2: Andy really hauled this thing across the finish line yeah. every week.
1: So consider that, all of you, before you embark on a large undertaking. <laughs>
2: Real and true. And maybe consider giving Andy some more money. (laughs) True.
1: I think those are good words to live
0: by, really. Yeah. In any situation.
2: Um this is not this question, but I did remember the thing that I had had in mind is my biggest regret of the campaign and mm. and that was our audio quality for the first 15 episodes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Because we were trying so hard and we just had such like cuz we weren't we're not professional podcasters like we yeah. had such Yeah.
3: I am still recording this on a USB microphone that came with Rock Band for my PlayStation 3. <laughs> I think by
1: definition we are professional podcasters now.
3: Wow.
0: We are professional True. podcasters,
3: but
2: we weren't at the beginning. <laughs> Technically, yeah. We're not amateurs because we're making money off of it.
3: But we are amateurs because we're doing it because we love it. Yeah.
0: Is that the definition of an amateur?
3: Yeah. It's like, it's from, um, it, um, actually, it's from Latin. Wow. It's, it's from Amo Amare, and so somebody who, Aww. it's the same root as, Amorous. It's like, That's if you're nice. an amateur, you do something from love.
1: Guy, guy who tells his wife that he's an amateur at being around
3: her. <laughs> Honestly, if a dude
0: said that to me, I think that was kind of cute. All right. Next category, which I called the character vibes slash AU questions, which is questions mm-hmm. that are just kind of generally about the guys, but less about... What they're specifically doing in the campaign Which is to say the first one is If the internet got invented in Lithios What would the boys primarily use it for From Died Violet Read
2: Wikipedia pages of animals
1: (laughs) Finn would be lurker posting (laughs) (laughs) 24-7 Just constantly On every platform he could find Just posting about how great the lurker is Now people are so unfair about the lurker And everyone should love the lurker All the
2: haters and losers out there (laughs)
0: Don't say porn.
3: <laughs> I will say nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Died Violet also would like to know if we have any new thoughts on the class swap slash evil Finn at you after the finale. Oh, Which is something we've discussed in the mud bath a couple times. Sort of what would happen.
1: It was The specific thing they're referring to is in a mud bath, we talked about if we all were different classes. We discussed mm-hmm. Finn being a paladin and how if Finn was a paladin, he'd be more evil and more... Conquest-focused.
2: Yeah. I would have to kill him if I were still Malachi (laughs) the Paladin, probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, no real new thoughts on it.
3: God, that's awesome, too. Paladin of the Lurker is dope.
1: Besides, I guess now knowing how like relatively mellow the Lurker actually is, maybe it wouldn't (laughs) be as bad once Finn communed with the Lurker a little more. But also, I don't know.
2: I feel like if Finn put any more of his, you know- verve behind dedicating himself to the lurker like I don't know if it's something that I would want to see he's already so passionate if he's oath bound I mean like how how much worse can you
0: get and it's just a matter of like people like Cathoth and like other I don't remember what H- Hargoth was that the other guy the other yeah. th- guy yeah. Yeah. oh god that guy sucked um, like they also like or like, yeah, sure, the lurker is kind of like quote unquote chill, but that's not that's not right. Like let's That doesn't mean need I need to, to be <laughs> Right. And also like kind of, uh, once we conquer the oceans, like the Lurker will rise and will sort of So it it just sort of depends if Paladin Finn in this situation would talk to the Lurker and be like, Oh, I can chill or if he'd talk to the Lurker and be like more. We must get you more blood, clearly, which is kind of what Cathoth was
2: doing. Would that be breaking an oath if that's not what the, if that's not what the Lurker wants?
1: Well, I don't think the, the Lurker may be mellow, but he's certainly not specifically forbidding anyone from conquering things in his right. name.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Lurker is the kind of mellow where he'd be like, no, he'd more just be like, whoa, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True. The Lurker's not going to look a gift fish in the mouth.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, Melonbread on Patreon wants to know, if the beautiful boys played Hades the game, what weapons and boons would they choose and who would they have crushes on? I don't think any of us have played Hades.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Whatever you think is right.
2: I do not know.
1: I mean, it's about Greek mythology. I bet I bet Poseidon's in there. He and Finn would vibe.
2: Wow, true. I'm, I'm looking this shit up right now on Wikipedia, Malachi's favorite site on the internet.
1: Or maybe Finn would think he was like a callow pretender and try to kill him.
2: The answer is that we don't know, but...
3: So you should assign us our weapons and boons.
2: Um, I have to assume
0: there's an axe maybe I could use, but... <laughs> would but that does it would malachi if he were playing a game pick to use an axe again like he does in real life i don't know he likes his axe his axe is kind of awesome yeah. he likes that feels right to me that he would pick up a game and be like an axe obviously
2: i feel like malachi's approach would be like i know how to use this why would i choose something else this is how i know how to fight <laughs> yeah. what do you mean what do you mean it doesn't matter this is what i know how to use it doesn't
0: yeah that feels right to me. Um, Cateology on Tumblr says, as it's the ocean and technically already has a lot of beach episodes, what would the boys do on their tropy filler app?
3: Go to the office. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, uh, shopping shopping mall. Ooh. We had that one episode in Neftis that was
1: just like a shopping and going on a yeah. date episode. Okay. That one was pretty much what you're describing.
2: When Reagan and Malachi went to the spa. Yeah.
3: So that.
2: Nice. Yeah, what's the
3: opposite of going to the beach? I do think office is a pretty good one.
0: <laughs> Malachi just goes and sits in a cubicle for eight hours, and he's like, yeah, this is nice. Just pressing buttons. Yeah, at
1: the car insurance company.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, um, this next section is called Crunchy Questions, which is questions wow. about kind of like mechanics and, you know, the game. Um, died violet wants to know any advice for a first time dm on how to pick slash build a stat block my advice is first of all anybody on the internet is going to tell you that challenge rating doesn't mean anything it means something like it's not it's not (laughs) totally it does mean a little bit of something but it is kind of unreliable like you can't it'll give you a ballpark rather than like a specific level um It's important to, like, look at how many attacks does this monster have, how many hit points do they have, and, like, how much damage do they do. Um, And then also kind of, like, another really good way to pick monster stat blocks is to know your party. Like, if you have a party. Like, I, by the end of the campaign, was definitely... um, compensating for malachi's high hit points and knowing that i needed if i wanted to do any serious damage to malachi i needed someone who could do a lot of damage because malachi had high hit points even for a paladin and also was kind of being aware of like who can do Like, at the end, the adventurer, her regen was stopped by radiant and cold damage, because I knew the party, I knew that Finn had good cold damage, and Malachi had good radiant damage. So I was like, this will, they'll have to think about it, but like, they do have Mm. the ability to do this damage, rather than sometimes you back yourself into a corner if you don't think about, oh, shoot, nobody in the party can do this. Also, be so careful with any sort of stun effect or paralysis effect or banishment. Anything that takes somebody out, especially if you have a small party, that can get you into PC death territory really fast if someone is out for even one round. Um, And also, it's not fun. Like, a lot of players, it is not fun for them if they are stunned for more than, like, one turn. And... Then, as far as, like, building stat blocks, any custom stat block I've ever made, there's- I've got one stat block that's the base, and then I'm changing hit points, I'm changing- stats sometimes and i am like giving them attacks and abilities from other monsters like you can just sort of don't don't put pressure on yourself especially if you're a relatively new dm to come up with new stuff just pick something to use as your base and then stick on abilities from other monsters andy do you have any thoughts you did a lot of this for folio
1: um I'm not sure I have anything that you didn't already say. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd say making stat blocks is a skill I've mastered at this point. But yeah, generally... If... It's hard. It was interesting in folio because a lot of the time what I had to do was make a stat block for a pre-existing character who like the players <laughs> and the listeners already were vaguely aware of. Yeah. So I had to be very thematic about it. So usually I would take a pre-existing stat block that was roughly the right challenge rating... And just tweak it a bit, like reflavor it, change some of the abilities and the resistances. Like Hannah said, like you don't have to start from scratch. Yeah. You can start from a baseline that's this is sort of similar to what I want. Yeah, true. You can mix and match features.
0: Yeah, don't forget to look at resistances and immunities. I made that mistake a lot early on of like being like, huh, this monster really doesn't have that many hit points. I wonder why it's such a high challenge rating and then like actually looking at being like, oh, because it resists almost every kind of damage. And so really, it has twice that many hit points. A lot of stat blocks are written like that. It's a trap. Okay, Um, Kestrel on Patreon says, to the players, how did playing your classes mechanically differ from what you expected? What did you like most about the mechanics? Would you have built your guys differently knowing as much about how they play as you do now?
3: Hmm,
1: I don't know. I don't think I would. Because at first, there was a while where I was not pleased with how few spell slots Warlocks have. Like That was pretty much throughout the campaign. I was always wishing I had more spell slots. Um, But I did really like having Eldritch Invocations, which mm-hmm. is obviously the counterbalance that a warlock gets, mm-hmm. because I thought that played well into Finn being, like, an inherently magical guy. Like, he was born of magic. He's made of it. Like, he can just do stuff. And I really liked that, that he could just, he could detect magic or give himself magical water armor whenever he wanted. Yeah. So I think I would not change how I built Finn, but it was... The first dozen episodes or so, I was like, man, I really cannot cross that many spells. Come on.
2: (laughs) I honestly don't even know what I would have done to build Malachi differently because he's pretty, you know, as far as paladins go, he's a pretty straightforward paladin and, like, because I don't have to choose which spells to learn, it was more a matter of what I was, you know, preparing each day and, like, what I wanted to do on my, like, my ASI level or my feet level. Um, because I, I definitely wouldn't have changed his um, his oath. I think that yeah, I like the Ancients. Um, but something for me that I... It was both like a boon and a bane was the fact that as a paladin, I had so many different options for actions to take in combat. Mm. Like, I personally love melee attacks, and that was like a go-to, but I also was for good chunk of time our soul healer and I have magic and I I do think sometimes that there were times where I wished I had more of a chance to use that magic but ultimately my fighting was more effective when I was doing melee in most situations
0: yeah but mm. I don't know
2: personally I think Malachi is a perfect little boy <laughs> and I loved playing him so much
3: yeah so contrary to any logic or conventional wisdom um i fucking love reagan's build um i it's really fun for me to play because like i both have a lot of options but also not that many options because it's kind of like well i'm either up in the business or i'm sniping So I like the kind of chaos that that lends itself to. I like, you know, really kind of doubling down on the whole glass cannon trope of a sorcerer by really upping the cannon factor (laughs) and putting myself in situations where I really am distinctly made of glass. Um, If there was something I would change, though, and this would change literally, you know, like a good 25% of the campaign... I would have built him backwards. Mm. I would have started as a barbarian, gotten up to like level three or hell, level five, maybe, and from there unlocked the rest of my draconic ancestry that to that point had been, you know, manifesting in, you know, my my spirit warriors, whatever. Like, yeah, like I had this whole dragon thing going on. It was like, this rage, and then something happens where it's like, oh, fuck, I've been a magician yeah. this entire time. That's fun. Mm.
0: You could have even done, like, one level of sorcerer, and then only barbarian, and then all of a sudden, more levels of sorcerer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. So that's
3: that's just, you know... Start over, take it again. Retake. <laughs> but, like, I, I, think, I think that could have been a, a really cool... And I think, because, you know, everybody's always like, why the fuck would you play, you know, a D6 caster and uh, you know a d12 fucking barbarian at the same time and it's like because it's a really interesting push-pull and it can actually like build a really fun and interesting character and you know what if i was to do it again i would perhaps do it backwards nice how often
1: are people saying that are you getting harassed
3: <laughs> yeah I'm... are
1: people coming up on the street
3: why do you think i deleted my social media zandy <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool um and then 9SY on Tumblr wants to know are there other TTRPGs you all play and would recommend. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, Monster of the Week. Monster yeah. of the Week. As you know, if you're a ship of fools completionist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I Monster of the Week is definitely after D&D, the system that I'm most familiar with. Um mm-hmm. and it's really fun, especially if you like that genre. Awesome game.
2: I got to play a really fun Monster of the Week campaign. That Hannah also ran. Yeah. And granted, this is my only experience with playing another RPG, but it's kinda awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Monster of the Week is dope. Um, shout out to Glitter Hearts by Greg Leatherman. Uh, that's my longest running game uh that I play in. That one slaps. Um also shout out to what is it called? Feather beacon bone, I think it's Ooh. called. Um, which one of my favorite RPG experiences ever. Uh just got <laughs> if you ever if you ever got an afternoon to kill, just, you know, have a little drinky drink, smoke a little J or something, sit yourself down with three of your closest friends and play a session of that. Super, super vibey. What's it what's its deal? Feather beacon, but so it's it's basically a world building game. And like, how did you find out about it? Is it like a book or is it? It's a book, yeah. Um, And it has like these little like coloring pages that it comes Ooh. with basically. And uh, you kind of, you, you sit down and you basically like go around the table and like pick out points on a map. And then, you know, as per what faction you're representing in the game, you assign lore to the spot that you've picked out on the map and it's really fun just to watch like what each person's different like interpretation of what a shape of something mm. means and like the ramifications of that. and so we ended up actually building out like a society in this one game of feather beacon so bone fun. that
2: sounds so fun
3: <laughs> that we then used in a later D campaign Yo. so that's a super cool one it's really chill Um, I recently played Ten Candles. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a bop, especially as it's about to be October. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really spooky, and it involves lighting candles and burning things, so maybe play it outside. (laughs) Um, That was a good one. And then uh, Fiasco. Is another fun one, which I wouldn't really describe as like D and D analogous, mm. <laughs> but really just, really just designed to be played in a few hours with six sided dice and no preparation. So that's really just like a balls to the wall kind mm. of, kind of wow. one. So those are all a little bit more alt than D and D, but
2: yeah, I will say I haven't actually gotten to play it, but the book rules. Uh- <laughs> the sword the crown the unspeakable power oh mm. true yeah i, I almost able to play that one day i
0: almost played in a game of that and it was re- again really fun to like read the system that's like a political yeah. intrigue like game of thrones esque i also in the vein of like games that you can just kind of like get together with your buddies and play really quick we'll plug lasers and feelings and any of the like dozens of hacks of lasers and feelings because those are very simple games that just kind of depend on like you have two stats which in the original game are your lasers and your feelings and it's just Mm. kind of and you can sub like anything in for those words and it's just about kind of like lasers right it's the push and pull of like are you going to solve this problem by shooting it with lasers or by Mm. using your feelings and so it's any any thing where you can contrast two items you can plug them into lasers and feelings and play and people have made like dozens of hacks of this game and that's also a super fun fun. one to just like pick up and go and do a role-playing game with um
3: opposite of the question i don't love blades in the dark because i have a very small brain (laughs) (laughs) and it's really hard for me but if you like things that are hard check that out
0: (laughs) any ttrpgs that you fucking hate (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> anybody want to an anti-plug <laughs> if, if you if you're up for a challenge or you're like a math brained person or I don't know because like it's a good game by all accounts I just couldn't handle it
0: um. <laughs> cool um, okay so our last section of questions here last few questions some more like kind of personal slash logistical questions um, the first one is Katie on Patreon wants to know did you guys have fun yeah. Yeah. I had fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's- uh... <laughs> Cool. Three out of four. 75%. That's not bad.
3: It was the delight. I'm the 10th dentist.
0: <laughs> um, Died Violet wants to know, what was the recording setup like?
1: Well, different for each of us. Yeah.
0: We're not in the same place, if you haven't picked that up. And we never have been. And we never have been. For recording this.
1: <laughs> we met recording the first episode
3: of this. <laughs> Yeah, it was wild. We all just entered a Google Meet code. We
1: were all sitting at home typing in random (laughs) URLs for Google Meet rooms. And we all wound up in the same one.
0: Um, Yeah, so that's, we are on a Google Meets call right now with each other, looking at each other's faces, and then we're each separately running Audacity and recording with our own mics on Audacity, and we, like, clap at the beginning to synchronize the tracks, and then Andy, when he's editing the episodes, or me, when I'm editing the mud baths, put them together in Audacity and edit them and add music and... Cut stuff and et cetera. Yeah.
1: Which usually I do like one, then the other. So I put all four tracks into Audacity and then go through like cutting what needs to be cut, Mm -hmm. moving stuff around for timing, that sort of thing. And then once that's done and it's like, this is what the completed episode sounds like. Then I would go back again and add in, like, sound effects and music and different sound cues and such.
2: And then Andy would send out a draft with any questions he had about whether or not we liked the way something sounded or whether we thought something made sense as a transition. And sometimes we would respond, even. (laughs) But uh, I sure did listen to him every time.
3: Nice. Nice. Yeah, really, really cannot strongly enough emphasize how much Andy has carried this shit on his back in the logistical sense. Like, Hannah carried this all in the ideological and the the making things happen <laughs> sense, and then Andy, like, literally... Andy is the reason that you, you are listening to this, so if you yeah, ever yeah. appreciated us, you've really been appreciating Andy and Hannah, and Taylor and I were also here. Ah, <laughs> shucks. Um.
1: And also, if you're asking this because you're curious about how you could do it, Basically, the key is get a nice mic. Doesn't have to be like insanely good. Yeah. Um, And just like find a corner or a closet, put up some blankets or like get soundproofing foam if you want to go ham. And there you go. Yeah. Or if you're nani, you can use a rock band microphone (laughs) and always have the most background fuzz of anybody.
0: Also, yeah, Audacity is a free program. So get out there and record. It's
1: a little glitchy. Yeah. Audacity has sometimes caused me emotional harm, but it usually works.
0: Yeah.
3: Anything Andy has to say about my mic is completely founded because I repeat, <laughs> is a Rock Band Three USB microphone for the PlayStation Three. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've reco- um, I've recorded truly. I have recorded in some odd places. I think I think <laughs> the strangest place I ended up recording this was in the second floor of a tenement house over an Irish pub in uh. Oh. Sorry, it was the attic loft. The floor was hollow. So if I ever dropped anything, I would lose it forever if it went between the (laughs) tracks. It was haunted. It was uninsulated. And it has since been torn down. Wow. So shout out to the Charlotte in Manheim, Pennsylvania. All right.
1: (laughs) And folks, Nani had no idea how he got there. (laughs)
3: I wake up, it's kind of like Saw. I've been playing Saw this entire time. I wake up in situations. Would
1: you like to play a game? It's called Dungeons and Dragons.
3: Before you, you see a microphone.
0: Uh, hey, speaking speaking of Saw maybe or hopefully not. Um, Died Violet would like to know, <laughs> I if, think not. would like to know if we have any notable works that influenced how we approach playing D&D or our creative work in general and specifies this is an invitation. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely Saw. <laughs>
0: to list yep, our favorite. Things.
3: I saw also.
1: <laughs> I I assumed that was obvious to the listeners. Finn is just a carbon <laughs> copy of Jigsaw.
3: <laughs> Finn was riding a tricycle. The entire time and we just Hang never on. felt the need to mention. The guy it. is
2: named Saw. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. I thought <laughs> it was called Saw because he used Saws to kill people.
3: No. He's usually more creative than that.
2: Okay. I don't watch horror movies because I get afraid. <laughs> You're so valid.
3: Um, I'll give a shout out to a piece of media that really fired up a lot of my creative juices and, you know, made me care about living and fantasy world building, which is going to be the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Mm -hmm. Sanderson. Uh, Massive fan of that. If you are into insane levels of world building and political intrigue and magic systems and really just like high, crunchy, crunchy, high, high, high fantasy, uh, you got to check out Brando Sando. He, uh, Yes, he is uh, Mormon. Mormon. Uh, (laughs) But beyond that, really incredible author who really kind of busted open the way that I think about a lot of the fantasy genre. Um, so I'll say that. Nice. I will also say uh, WWE, specifically AEW, AEW Dynamite. Um, really recommend getting into pro wrestling. What does
0: AEW stand for?
3: All Elite Wrestling. Ah. You know, a lot of people maybe don't know anything about pro wrestling and pro wrestling is really incredible because it is simply just high camp. Like it is pure stuff sh- and stunts and I mean if you like the podcast format it's kind of like that you know it follows these storylines and these arcs of these zany characters but you have to use your eyes but you do have to use your eyes (laughs) Um, so yeah shout out to Brandon Sanderson and Vince McMahon I guess
2: nice Um, Avatar The Last Airbender a thousand percent is a huge influence on especially approaching like campaigns and stuff like that for me Mm. Um, and also, just like fantasy in general, because that's, that's some of the best world building and character building that I've ever seen. And yes, I we all are, we all know that it was, you know, a show on Nickelodeon. And we all also know that it was, despite that, one of the greatest shows and works of fantasy ever made. I think. Um, and I mean, there's also like the obvious, you know, Lord of the Rings. True.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of this podcast in specific, I think I would be remiss to not shout out Not Another D&D Podcast. We're done now, so we can plug other shows, I guess. Um, so true. Yeah. But if you if you haven't listened to NADPOD, I think it's the the best actual play other than us, obviously, um, out there. It's really phenomenal and definitely like Murph, who's the dungeon master, just gets it. And a lot of the way that I DM is definitely very influenced by the way he DMs. And I also should definitely shout out Dimension Twenty and Critical Role. I'm not really I don't watch either of those shows anymore, but I have watched dozens of episodes of Dimension Twenty and hundreds of hours of critical role and oh so God. definitely like influences the way that I DM and the way I think about D&D also both very good shows
1: yeah i would second that NADpod, shout out.
0: Yeah. I uh, it was like
1: while listening to NADpod that I texted Hannah like, man, like I really kind of want to make a D&D <laughs> podcast. How about you? Mm-hmm.
2: And Hannah got me to listen to it too and I had just listened to it on my commute to work the day that I got the text in the LL Bean break room saying, hey, you want to do a D&D <laughs> podcast?
1: <laughs> um, in general man i don't know i feel like it's hard to like you know if you're a creator you're constantly influenced by everything yeah. you've watched and read in ways you might not even realize yeah specifically D wise like obviously nadpod my i was a D podcast guy before i was a DD playing <laughs> guy ah <laughs> uh, like i started listening to the adventure zone uh, yeah. in like college and then i was like huh this seems like a fun game yeah actually let me go back Whoa. My journey to D&D is actually kind of funny to me. I don't know about to anyone else. Because uh-huh. my first exposure to D&D was Order of the Stick, Whoa. which is a very long-running webcomic about D&D. But I didn't know that. When I found it, I was just like, oh, it's like they're fantasy adventurers huh. making funny jokes. And then eventually it became clear to me, like, oh, there's like a lot of references to like specific rules. I guess they're <laughs> like, this is about a specific <laughs> game and then i was like okay it's dungeons and dragons <laughs> <laughs> and i was pretty young at this point it wasn't I'm, it's not dumb that i hadn't heard of DD. Yeah. i'm getting defensive about the story i'm telling about myself
0: i've never even heard of this it's
1: good i would recommend it with the caveat it's been running for a long time i don't know if the early stuff holds up yeah. but like it's good it's still going wow. in fact i think it's i think it's nearing the climax but honestly it's hard to tell so yeah there's a long backlog to go through and that i think is the thing that has most influenced my specific idea of what D&D comedy mm. is. Huh. Like how a character acts in a D&D campaign when the goal is to be funny, but also serious sometimes. Cool. So shout out to, to Rich Burlew for making that.
2: I remembered one of my other major pieces of media that informs everything I create. Um, and I know this is, again, media that was, you know, like originally created for children, or young people, but we're talking about formative media. Animorphs absolutely has <laughs> formed a basis for so much of how I approach character and like like all of my favorite themes and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And just like just storytelling in general and like it was yes, there were a million books and some were better than others, but like the overall story of Animorphs was just so good. Yeah.
1: Also, just a shout out to comic books as a medium. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think if you're talking about things that have informed my conception of stories about people with special powers doing action, but also having emotion. Like a lot of the times I would be picturing action sequences in this podcast as like comic book panels. Oh,
0: that's cool. That's
1: sort of like static, but also very like kinetic and mm. you can feel stuff radiating off of it imagery. Yeah. Because when you think about it, D&D characters are superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also comic books about D&D out there. Whoa. So, you know, go read anything by Jim Zub.
3: Oh. Uh, I mean, it's so obvious it slips my mind, but Lord of the Rings, specifically the films, yeah. uh, massive in terms of, yeah. you know, just like the scale and a lot of the aesthetic. It's kind of like, you know. Three
2: hunters.
3: Yeah. Just like guys being dudes. Uh <laughs> stuff like that.
0: I also, in terms of again, in terms of Ship of Fools, I watched Black Sales, or at least the first Whoa, two yeah. seasons of Black Sales, like part of the way into this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's a different genre than what we've got going on for sure. But it definitely did like some of the some of the things about like pirates and like image and the creation of an image and like what like a pirate's name means and like mm-hmm. this kind of like distant but ever encroaching threat of empire and like what it means to be on the fringes of society like a lot of that was definitely coming out in ship of fools i think
3: yeah pi- pirates of the caribbean duh uh yeah, that true. that's definitely informed a lot of who i am as a person um, uh
0: mad legend of the seven
2: seas the animated version uh starring brad pitt and Catherine zeta jones you don't know that because they're animated hmm. but if you need to google it
0: <laughs> nice Also, hey, I'll shout out going to the aquarium. I really think I got more inspiration from (laughs) being in the aquarium than I did from anything for this uh, campaign. Um, Katie on Patreon wants to know who gets custody of the mud bath itself now that we've vacated it
1: Well, it's the mud bath is closed. Yeah (laughs) in the lore of the mud bath Yeah, but
2: what about the guy that we drowned there? Cobby.
1: Cobby? Well, that's why it's closed. Technically
2: it's
0: his now. He's dead. I don't think he can inherit
1: I'm not convinced he's dead. I think I think it's gonna be like the abandoned desolate mud bath and Cobby's like phantom of the operating in the basement
0: (laughs) Yeah, so in a way he gets custody, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, it's his domain
0: um, 9SY on Tumblr wants to know what sediment makes the most comfortable mud. Well, that's going to be clay.
1: I don't know. That's why we went to the <laughs> mud bath instead of making it ourselves. We don't know.
3: It's, it's
0: silty clay. That sounds comfortable.
3: Alternately, Dead Sea mud. Uh, a nice mm. high salinity, very mineral rich, or anything volcanic. Oh.
0: <laughs> um... Katie on Patreon wants to know if you had another campaign idea would you ever make another podcast? I would make another podcast if I was living a life where I didn't have to work a full time job. <laughs>
1: Real. <laughs> like Same. Yeah. If I could make a living from doing yeah. what I did for Ship of Fools I would happily do it. But
2: yeah. Like in spirit yes but like I I didn't even have to do the brunt of the work, and it was still like a lot to do over the past years, and I wasn't even spending most of my week editing, you know?
0: Playing a D&D campaign is kind of a lot. Like, even if you take away the podcast part, it's like if you if you have a DM who's DMing for you regularly, like appreciate them. They're doing a lot of work, and also like it is difficult to fit a weekly commitment into <laughs> your life sometimes. <laughs> Kind of crazy that we made it work.
2: Good for us. (laughs) But hey, man, if we if we like made it big and we had the money to make a podcast without worrying about all of that, yeah.
3: Personally, I'd be down. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: So the answer is write a check and we'll talk.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I have ideas. Believe me, that's not the problem. (laughs) The spirit is willing, but the flesh is spongy and bruised.
0: It's true. However, HypnoGriff on Instagram asks, "Will your podcast continue to be on Spotify?" And also, they specifically shout out that they enjoy listening to the Grimch episode every holiday season and say it's one of the best one-shots they've encountered. Yeah. (laughs) Finally,
1: it's one with taste.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, our podcast will continue to be on Spotify. Hell yeah!
1: So there you go. At
0: least for the for keep the listening. foreseeable future, keep listening, keep recommending it to your friends. Um, go back and listen to your favorite parts. Catch up on the mud baths if you haven't had a chance to yet. We're also leaving the Patreon active, um, so you can still feel free to subscribe and to you know go back and catch up on Folio or download the mud baths or whatever. Um, if you're still if you're itching for more,
1: the show's not going anywhere. So yeah. listen again. Yeah. Tell your friends to listen.
0: Absolutely. Um, and we'll close it out here with Died Violet also asked, do we have any hopes or plans for other projects in the future? And 9SY on Tumblr says, are there any ideas for future projects since soft has come to a close slash anywhere we can find you all online that you want to plug? Well, would love to someday
2: create something awesome, but I don't have any concrete
0: plans, so I guess you'll just have to keep an ear out for our names. I will say my thing, my preferred method of creative expression is writing books. And that's what I'm doing now that I have more time again. Anna's got an awesome novel in the works. I, I'm going to tell you about it, actually. I have a <laughs> werewolf book that I've been working on for like two years. I'm planning to do NaNoWriMo this year with a book about meeting the devil at the crossroads and making a deal with him. Ooh. I'm uh, starting to spin out an outline for a high fantasy book and or trilogy. So yes. you can follow me, I guess, on Twitter at Hannah L. McLean. I don't use it, but if I ever have anything to announce, keep an eye on it. And I don't know, five to 10 years, probably. I'm not active on Twitter and don't plan to be unless I have a, a cool announcement to make. So you can look out for those again in like a decade. I guess
2: I still like stuff on there all the
0: time, so you can look at what I think
2: is funny, I guess. Wow, true. What, plug your handle, Taylor. Well, now I don't know if I want you to see what I think is <laughs> funny, <laughs> but I think it's Taylor from Hell on Twitter.
3: I'll plug me. Uh, I'm not on any Soshis anymore, but you can follow me on Tumblr. I'm at oberon hyphen Miranda hyphen Titania. Um,
2: wow, I'm on Tumblr. I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs>
3: Me neither. I post fun shit on Tumblr. I don't know. I don't. I don't use it as a personal blog. It's just like yeah. vibes. So do Yours whatever. Yours just like curated. <laughs> uh, insofar as you know, as much as Hannah's preferred thing is is writing, uh, I, I'm a theater boy. Uh, and I just made my debut in the uh, Northern Virginia mm-hmm. DMV theater circuit. So I'm gonna keep on trucking with that so i don't know if you live in the dmv and you're really bored and you want to come see some theater uh i might be in it yes i'm cr- <laughs> I'm currently at that press time i am playing tybalt in a production of romeo and juliet over in northern virginia and that's uh pretty dope Wahoo. saw it it was fun
1: well as for me ship of fools is not the last creative work i'm ever going to make yeah. <laughs> absolutely for sure <laughs> Uh, like Hannah, I also am a writer, and frankly, I'm. this is probably not the last podcast I'm mm. ever going to make.
0: Wow. Hell yeah.
1: I do like the auditory medium. It is fun. Hell yeah. Also, you can find some of my work appearing sometimes on Reductress.
0: Oh,
2: true. Andy's a funny man.
1: Which is a website. I write headlines for them, so check that out.
2: Stealing jobs from women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, basically, like we've said, Ship of Fools took up a lot of my time, so I'm suddenly finding myself with a lot more creative productive energy and i haven't quite settled on which of my many potential projects i'm going to focus it on but there'll be something and you can find out by following me on twitter i'm at aaletai a-a-l-e-t-a-i uh i don't really tweet much nowadays but that is where i would make an announcement if i had an announcement to make and also you know stay subscribed to this podcast feed because maybe we would put an announcement on here
3: yeah, we're kind of in a refractory period right now. <laughs>
0: so yeah.
1: <laughs> if anyone out there is looking to hire an audio editor, I'm available.
0: Wow, true.
1: <laughs> Suddenly.
0: Tell your friends to hire an audio editor. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I think unless anybody has any like final thoughts that you pressingly want to say about Ship of Fools. I make
2: beautiful playlists. True. It's true.
0: That is so real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us here for the Q&A and also for joining us for this entire campaign. Thank you to all of you who sent in questions. Um, We really enjoyed getting to make this story for you. Keep an eye on our various social medias, both for the podcast and our personal ones and on this podcast feed. Like we said, there might still be a, uh, you know, maybe something coming in the future that we make no promises or timelines. You'll just have to see us when you see us. It's we... We're adding an element of mystery to your lives. Although, one thing that isn't mysterious is that there is a bonus segment to this Q&A. We got quite a few questions about Folio, our Patreon-exclusive side campaign, as you're hopefully familiar with by this point. And so those questions and the answers to them are in a bonus Q&A segment that is going up on the Patreon right about when this one gets published. So if you want more, you can head on over to the Patreon to get access to those. questions. That's definitely up there. Anything else we may do in the future is the part that's mysterious.
3: Yeah, no, I just wanna, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna give a shout out to like our listeners. Truly, like I know that yeah. sounds cheesy if we say it that way, but like the fact that like there has been like a somewhat active like community of people who listen to our shit and like produce like fan content of our shit. That's like it's been really nice. So fucking cool.
2: It's so yeah. gratifying to know that people are liking and listening to the stuff that we're making.
0: Yeah,
3: and spending their money on us. Like so that's like massive seen and appreciated and like we think it's super cool and if there's anything you ever like want us to see like hit us with it and like i'm so glad that we've gotten to like make connections with people oh
1: you you don't want to just say that without caveats no aligning
3: <laughs> anything related to our podcast i know what maybe. i say <laughs> i'm the one who gave my tumblr url i'm not a coward <laughs> Um, but yeah, genuinely to to everybody who has ever listened to us, hyped us up, had anything to say, thank you from the bottom of our hearts and the hearts of our mm. bottoms.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah. We really, really means a lot.:
2: Yeah. We really love you guys. Well, and you made us feel very loved, too.: Let's
1: not get a little too parasocial here.:
2: <laughs> We love the idea of you guys. I'm sure you're
1: great) <laughs>
0: appreciate you. We love the way you love. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for being out there. Um we will see you on the open seas. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. <laughs>